Hey, remember that time that John the Baptist adjusted his camel cloak, hiked up his leather belt, stuck his finger in the uh, ruling authority of the day's chest, King Herod, and said, you can't do that. You remember the King Herod had just married Lady Herodias, who was King Herod's half-brother's newly divorced wife. And so thankfully, King Herod had divorced his wife. And so when they got together and he point his finger right in the middle of King Herod's chest, he got tossed in the first century slammer. Remember that story? It's important to know it because this morning we're starting uh, to read a little two-sentence story in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, right after that fiery prophet moment. And so that sets the scene for where we will go today. Uh, It's a little story. Some of you who have been around the block with your Bible a couple times, you may recognize this story. Um, And it seems simple on the first reading, but in reality, it's an international political thriller that will uh, challenge you. Now, as you can tell, I don't sound or look like Sean. And so over the past 10 years, I've been teaching through the Bible with college kids in dialogue. That means that I take lots of breaks in the middle of my sermon, drink a little bit, and you guys talk, and then we talk together. And so today, I'm going to need you to channel your inner college kid, not your spring break college kid, but I'm going to need you to make this morning interesting for me and then also for yourself. Everybody good? Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. It's only two lines. Here comes the story. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay, so upon uh, initial review, you're like, hmm, well, what if I wrote this story a little more uniquely and then ask you two pointed questions? So I'm going to rewrite the story. It's going to flash on the screen. And then the two questions are this. What questions do you have as you read the story in a new way? And what jumps out at you? Ready? Turn and talk to someone beside you. Murmur quietly. Talk out loud if you dare. We got it? Okay, how much does a polar bear weigh? Just enough to break the ice. Who's going first? What jumped out at you? What questions do you have? The time has come, sure. There's something to do with time happening. In fact, when you look at it, 14a and 15a both are referencing time. Excellent. We'll jump into it. What else? There's a transition and? Oh, and there's action. Yeah, absolutely. So there's something to do with transition or in, in this... Uh, in the way that we'll think about it, is movement into place. Excellent. And then there's an action. There's something to be done in this story. Excellent. <clears throat> OK, 
okay, wait, change? Yeah, absolutely, there's something has happened. And then back here? Okay, there's a church word, right? This church word that you guys potentially have heard before. What the heck, right? <clears throat> okay, and so I'm gonna try and uh, strip some of the baggage of the church word. And by the time we get to the end of this story, it's gonna mean something completely new. I'll jump into it. John's cue was jail time for Jesus to step out of obscurity into a point in time for a purpose in time. Whenever John got tossed into that first century slammer, it was the invitation for a point in time for Jesus's purpose in time. <clears throat> Let's get straight to the application it is an amazing gift to walk through your life seeing the world the way God sees the world. I hope to challenge us this morning to move through our common day to day with the eyes and the heart of God. But it's gonna require two things, a proper theological grounding and then a growing spiritual maturity. The proper theological grounding sounds like this. We are living in God's world and he loves it. And he is committed to the restoration of this world. How do I know? Because I've got this story of God becoming flesh in Jesus. He is, God is fully committed to the restoration of his world. And we see that in Jesus. Now, that's my theological grounding, but then I also have to be spiritually growing. And so if that theological grounding is true, then all of a sudden God expects his people to move and act in the world in a certain way. All kingdom people, as you read the story of scripture for yourself, they are called to act in a certain way. And so I've got three verses I'm gonna throw up just to, to let you read them. And you're going to see a consistent theme of how God expects all of his kingdom people to act in his world that he loves and is committed to restoring. If you hate reading, just go to the last verse. It's the short one. That's all kingdom people. At the same time, you're unique. Your voice doesn't sound like my voice. We have different skills. I'm nowhere near as skilled as Andrew whenever he's uh, wearing scrubs. Here is the reality. We must be constantly growing our unique voice, skills, and talent, shout out. And then I love the way 1 Peter 4 says it, and it sounds like this. God has given every single one of you unique people a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. If it's speaking, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. Here's your first application. Have you spent time in this season, one-on-one -on -one with God, asking him how he wants to use your unique voice and skills in this world? Time and now place. There is a transition and spatial elements to our story. 
Mark chapter one is written in about 52 to 62 AD. It's 2022. And so unfortunately we missed something when we read this ourselves. Mark's listeners would have caught the, um, the immediate geopolitical realities that showed up. Whenever Jesus went to Galilee, that transition moment, he was going home. He was down in the southern part uh, of a country called Judea, and now he was moving through Samaria, going to a different country called, Gal- called Galilee, the region up there. It took about 60 miles to travel that way on roads that would have looked something like this. The danger for you and I is that we see roads in a picture like this having not lived there, and we think that Jesus's ministry was, was passive, was quiet, but that's not true at all. As Jesus went into Galilee, he was moving directly into the heart of conflict, diversity, and busyness. If Indiana claims to be the crossroads of America, we do, then Ancient Galilee is the crossroads of the ancient world. So hmm, you don't know the map, but I've done a little research on it. So over to your west, over to the west is the Mediterranean Sea. And then to the east is the Arabian Desert. And coming straight down through the Arabian Desert and the Mediterranean Sea is fresh water. And so anybody coming from Europe to Asia or up from Africa, if you're going to move by land, you have to come through the promised land, which is crazy if you start to know the Old Testament story when God wanted to give his people the promised land. It was this Canaan that we now call Galilee. So all trade, all diplomats, all armies would travel through this portion. With that came then a multiracial country. It was politically volatile. It was socioeconomically diverse. It was religiously liberal. It was the exact place that the kingdom of God is needed. And if you're thinking as I'm talking, then you understand that all of those elements that Galilee is holding, Bloomington holds as well. See, the message that Jesus took into Galilee is the exact same message that we are called to take around us. So as uh, the proud owner of this haircut and four daughters, uh, that's how the haircut came. Uh, I sit in the Summit Elementary School pickup line. I sit in Bachelor Junior High. I sit at South High School and I see diversity, multiracial, political division. I move uh, from one coffee shop to another. Some of you know how true that is. Uh, Panera sipping the drip down to St. Arbucks uh, on the south side. And there I know all my baristas' names, you know? Uh, Work on campus. I walk through the Union. Uh, I walk down Kirkwood. Well, the girls and I, being spring break, we rode down Kirkwood. It was awesome. It was so fun. 
And I'm looking around at who is left, the remnant. I think Sean made a great joke last week. Uh, One of the, speaking of bikes, our CSF Little 500 team, we hosted 80 different riders from the different uh, fraternities, sororities, and campus life that were around. They came to our campus house to eat a pancake dinner, and I washed syrupy dishes for two hours (laughs) for those folks. It was awesome. Uh, next service. I'm going to walk right down that hallway and pick up my fifth grader from Iglesia Hispana. The point that I'm trying to prove to you is this. Diversity, political division, socioeconomic disparity, and constant business feels like home. And we cannot miss the message that Jesus brought to those places. The kingdom of God has come near. It's about your turn, because I need a drink of water. And so why don't you guys talk about this? How would you describe the kingdom? I've referenced it a few times now. Jesus goes to Galilee saying this message, the kingdom of God has come near. How do you think about it? And how would you describe it? Perfect. It almost feels weird to talk, doesn't it? You guys are doing great. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Libraries are filled with this subject, the kingdom of God. Libraries are full of this. Um, Your basic, most rudiment definition is any place that God is ruling and reigning in, in earth and on earth and in heaven. Messed up my prepositions there. It gets tangled in my head sometimes. It was John the Baptist's voice that cut between the quiet between the Testaments. Okay, we're back to John the Baptist again, that camel cloak, leather belt. It was him who was sent to prepare the way for the kingdom. And then he pointed at Jesus saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so there's this truth that we have to know about that the kingdom is an ongoing, dynamic reality. Oh, I'm gonna put it up here on the screen. Uh, Ongoing, dynamic reality of God's restoring work in his world. It's more than just rule and reign. It is the active participation of God. Remember that theological grounding. He loves the world, is committed to its restoration fully in the person of Jesus. And here is the the second application point for you and I. That if we see brokenness around us, then it means the opportunity for the kingdom is near you and I. All of a sudden, this Bible story is not outdated or stagnant. It is available to you. So channel your inner college kid for the third and final time. I'm going to give you some homework. Matthew chapter 13 is an easy Bible chapter to read because it's all parables. 
Now, I picked this chapter because if everything I'm saying is true, you should be able to find this message of the kingdom in the life and stories of Jesus, go figure. And so Matthew 13 is the way uh, that Jesus chooses to teach about the kingdom. In fact, why don't we just turn it into a pop quiz? Okay, so here it is. I'm gonna take Matthew 13 and I'm gonna break them into kingdom parables. And so they're chunked there in four soils, wheat and tares, mustard seed, the treasure, and then the dragnet. So you've got these five categories of kingdom stories. But then I have mixed up the kingdom truths that those stories are teaching about. So why don't you open book quiz here, so no need to get nervous. Uh, Why don't you guys work with someone next to you and try to put those into the correct kingdom truth to the kingdom parable. But unfortunately, you only have 22 seconds. Go. Show-offs, you don't even need it. You're done already? I'm incredible. Seven seconds. I'm sure you got them right. We'll throw the answers up and I'll walk through them really quickly. They look like this. The kingdom spreads initially by the preaching of the word. The four soils are all about the places that this message drops. The wheat and the tares are incredible because it says that the kingdom of God is going to intermix with good and evil. It is gonna grow in places that it is not supposed to be. The kingdom is going to grow in places that it is not supposed to be growing. The mustard seed and the leavened bread says a little bit will do ya. A little bit will do ya and it appears insignificant. We're gonna come back to that idea. It's gonna appear insignificant, but when it appears, it is incredibly, according to the treasure and the pearl, incredibly valuable. The kingdom is incredibly valuable. And then the one that, that turns us up inside out a little bit. The kingdom comes into mixed spiritual realities. I'm going backwards into this theological grounding. It is God's world. He loves it and he is fully committed to its restoration, proven by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that he now invites you and I to participate with him in as God's kingdom people with our own unique voice, skills, and talents. If you read Matthew 13, which I assigned you homework, so you obviously are going to, I want you to find who the kingdom comes to and how it shows up. I'll give you the answer now so you know to look for it. The kingdom shows up in secret to the people who are near it without knowing it. The kingdom comes in secret through the people of God 
to people who are near the kingdom of God and don't yet realize it. I've seen the kingdom a couple times in the last couple weeks. The ladies held an if gathering, which I was not invited to. And there was a homeless couple that were sleeping on the backside in the safety of the church. And they came in looking for help. And that homeless couple was welcomed with open arms into worship at the if gathering. I had a a friend who's a deacon pop into my house and I said, what are you doing on this side of town, you Bryant Parkian person? I was on the south side. All right, we got this little war happening. And he said, I was on a a grocery run with a shut-in. And I just wanted to pop in. When I went to Panera this morning, because it's today, and so I show up at the coffee shop, Miss Brenda said, hey baby, where you preaching? She knows my story and I know hers. Recently, we have a family in our, in our church whose next door neighbor's child was severely ill and they gathered around this family and prayed as neighbors, but then gathered an entire community to know, serve, and love this family. See, the kingdom shows up in secret. It shows up in the long, patient process of adoption. It shows up in the physical presence of a CASA worker to someone who doesn't have a voice and doesn't know how to speak for him or herself. The kingdom shows up in an entire year's worth of gathering for furniture. So that way when an international student steps off a plane and then takes a bus to Indiana University, they have a free full home of a desk and a couch and pots and pans. See, the kingdom shows up in secret through God's people to people who are near the kingdom and don't yet realize it. It's holding the door. It's saying, you go first. It's saying, I'm sorry. It's faithfully praying for a broken world. Constantly in scripture, you will find the kingdom showing up through God's people. And it's the application for you. If God is choosing to use your unique voice, your unique skills to restore his broken world, be still at some point this week and ask him how that will come alive. Let me transition to the big ending here. Because I can feel some of you murmuring under your breath, cool Josh, sounds like your whole sermon is be a good person. And that one kind of stings, I can admit it. But I'm gonna mutter back out loud to you, those of you who are muttering that. Um, be a good person wasn't what Jesus was proclaiming, if you remember the story. Jesus was proclaiming the good news. You see, this kingdom that I keep talking about, it has an entrance fee. And then the entrance fee has everything to do with goodness, but not mine and not yours, 
And the reality is this, that we learned last week, good news comes from an ancient term, gospel. And gospel was simply a pronouncement that a new kingdom had arrived in time and in space. And so when early first century readers are reading the gospel of Mark or when they hear Jesus proclaiming good news multiple times, they are getting a subversive message that there is a new king in place. A new kingdom is available and that is a politically dangerous message because you guys remember already who is in power right now. It's Rome. Rome came to power through the sword And so to say something different than Rome is king, well, heads will roll, John the Baptist joke. Rome regards peace not as an absence of war, but the rare situation when their opponents have been beaten down and lost the ability to resist. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is claiming a new kingdom. And the way into it is through repentance and belief. To repent is to change your mind and to change your direction, which is not as easy as it sounds because you're habitual creatures. (laughs) I'm a habitual creature. And I live in a distracted, constantly busy world. And so repentance is actually continually turning, continually turning from my wrong attitude, from my wrong belief, from my wrong words and actions. But here's the crazy one. True repentance is the awareness that I turn from selfish motivation. Like that, that, inquire, that requires an incredible theological grounding that I have this brokenness within me. And it also invites an incredible spiritual growth that I can turn continually. It's the answer why be a good person is not the way to enter the kingdom. You guys know there is never good enough in our world That's a vicious cycle. And so repentance is this constant turn from the lie that you can be good enough. It's this constant turning towards the good news. It's this constant turning towards a new king and a new kingdom whose intent is to restore what is broken. You don't have to believe me. Remember, everything that I say should come directly from the mouth of Jesus. And so Luke 15 tells this little trilogy of parables. The last parable is the prodigal son. There's this moment when the son returns and begins to come home. In that moment, the father runs to his son with excitement, tenderness, and welcome. In fact, he doesn't even allow his son to talk, even though his son attempts to. The dad says nothing to the son except, come join me 
We're having a celebration over you. And so the third and final application of this morning is do you believe that God looks at you in this way? Because that's the kingdom. At some point, we all have to know, believe that despite our brokenness, there is the opportunity for unconditional love from a father who looks at you with excitement and repentance becomes the most beautiful word that you can speak. It is a returning to the unconditional love. It's, it's the opportunity to experience the kingdom that is here. And in that moment, you don't, you don't do good things in order to see the kingdom, but you do good things so that others who are near the kingdom and you're the kingdom person, you invite another to see that the kingdom is near. It is not, no more about me doing, but it's more about me inviting another to experience the kingdom. Repent and believe is not an emotion that fades. It is not the promise of an easy life and is not the expectation of perfection. Repent and believe is the definition of faith that enables relationship with a holy king. And it's the opportunity to experience it today. As a church, as we practice communion, we tell that story. It begins with this, this reality of what repent and believe requires from you and I. Not that you or I do it correctly, but that we have the opportunity into relationship with the true king and the kingdom that is here. That truth then begins to slowly transform who we are. That God is fully committed to this world that you are in. Proven by his son Jesus who lived a sinless life amidst the brokenness. That willingly goes to the cross in order to restore relationship with a holy God that doesn't stay in the tomb but conquers death rising with new life and gives his spirit to you. The entrance to that story begins with repentance. And then it is belief in the unconditional love of the Father who keeps no list of your wrongs, who knows you intimately and with excitement invites you towards him. Let's pray. God, we confess that we don't believe that story or live it well. And yet in this moment, there's a desire to know you in that living hope in Jesus. So we give you the praise, amen.
Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.